Welcome to another episode of Comedy Wham Presents with me, your host, Valerie, and sometime co-host, Miss Purrington. ComedyWham.com is your place to go for features about all Austin comedy. You can keep up with us on Twitter and Instagram at Comedy Wham or on our Comedy Wham Facebook page. In addition to podcasts, Comedy Wham brings you articles, album reviews, live shows, and an events page for live shows in Austin and Houston. If you're a comic in those cities and want your show featured on the calendar, go to the events page and click submit a show to complete the short survey. Now let's get back to our podcast. Launched in 2016, the podcast project brings you funny people and their stories. As a fan, I like to delve into a comic's background and motivations and will usually take a detour along the way. Consider the interview a way for you to get to know the folks that make the Austin comedy scene one of the best in the country. And if you... Um, Oh, goodness, this makes no sense in this introduction. If you like this podcast, please rate and review us despite the really choppy intro by your, your host. <laughs> All right, let's get going. Today, uh, I am talking to somebody who got her start at the Institution Theater here in Austin. Uh, she has a knack for blending her comedy with social activism. She is the co-host of Two Broke Bitches with Colton Dowling at the Creek in the Cave, and she is the host of Who's on Tap at St. Elmo Brewing Company, which is set to return monthly starting on April 30th. And by return, we mean after all the COVID shutdowns. Uh, it was a show that she had before and she is returning it back to our, our Austin scene. All right, so now Comedy Wham presents our guest, Era Juliet. Welcome. Hi. <laughs> Hi, thank you for the warm welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, hopefully it was all accurate. <laughs> oh, perfect. Perfectly accurate. <laughs> Very good. Well, uh, Era, thank you so much for doing the podcast with me. Uh, if you don't know much about this podcast, this prepares me perfectly. I have an opening question and that is one word to describe your past. Wild. Ooh. <laughs> <That's like> wild. <laughs> well, we're definitely going to have to dig into that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, before I hit record, you were telling me about what part you were visiting your mom in uh, North, North, uh, North Texas, yeah. and that kind of gets me into uh, the the other. Uh, let's get to know you. Question: Where are you from? I am originally from Houston, Texas, um, lived out there for about 16 years of my life, um, then went to college and lived in the area of Great Bend, Kansas, um, for a little bit, uh, which is Kansas. not a, Kansas, <laughs> yes, a complete, um, what I say, a complete, what do you call that, um, culture shock, complete culture shock, going from Houston to place that has more cows than people. And um, then I moved out back to Houston for a little bit and then settled into Austin about five years ago. Okay, all right. And uh, when you were growing up, was comedy something that you watched or were interested in? I was always, I would always say I, I, I was, I, I still am. I'm the comedian of my family. Like mm -hmm. that was all I did. Um, I've, 
I'm the middle child, so always doing anything for attention. Um, I would always be making, my mom will tell you, I was making up horrible jokes when I was little. Um, My favorite thing to do when I was little was make up strawberry and banana jokes. I don't know why I thought strawberries and bananas were so funny, but I had like an ongoing list and my mom, I'd be like, mom, I want to tell you a joke. And my, my family would avoid me because I was like always making up jokes or making fake shows in the living room and things like that. So it's just, I'm, I always had that mindset, but then I did, um, I grew up like really loving like Saturday Night Live, um, old episodes that, and then my grandparents were also really into Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. Um, so I loved his movies and um, definitely watched a lot of his stand-up, even though I shouldn't have. <laughs> um, but so I did grow up watching that, but I definitely, it wasn't that my thought was, oh, I want to be in comedy. It was just that naturally I just love being silly and talking yeah yeah. you like to get inspiration for those strawberry and banana jokes yes (laughs) (laughs) they were horrible (laughs) can can you just do you want to do you have one that stands out that you would want to share with us all I can remember what the only one I can remember is what do you get when a strawberry and banana jump up and down and my mom would be like what era (laughs) and I was like a strawberry banana shake and she that's it. And it's not funny. I was like, my mom would bring those up and I'm like, I don't know why I thought they were so great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have a, I have a son and he, he likes to, to throw jokes at me too. And it's like, okay, sure. That, that's, <laughs> that's funny in your brain. That's okay. <laughs> you don't want to dim the light either. So, you know, you, your mom, you know, she, she had to let you be yeah, they, there was a lot of eye rolling and a lot of avoidance, <laughs> I can remember, but um, they did let me be, let me grow up to be the very strange, very odd um, person yeah. I am. <laughs> what in the world took you to Kansas as your, your college destination? You know, right? Like, <laughs> I, you know, I can just say that it's, I don't know. It just, it just was like a, you know, life kind of take, like it was a bunch of things were kind of happening in my, my life. My parents are getting a divorce, kind of want to be as far away as you could be. And it just ended up there, you know, um, if I could go back in time, would I do that? Probably not. Um, but, you know, definitely gave me opportunities, you know, being in a small, like smaller area, smaller place like that, it gives you opportunities that other people, you know, wouldn't have because it's not as, there's not as, it's like a, being a big fish in a small pond. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I did a lot of theater. I did a lot of improv, had a lot of availability to do a lot of things out that way um, that I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do because Houston is so big, you know, there's so many talented individuals out that way um, that, you know, most likely would have, it's hard to share that spotlight in, sure. that, in that city. So you, you mentioned theater and improv. Is that, is that what you were studying in college or is that something you were doing outside of college? Well, both of it. When I was in high school, that's, I went to a performing arts high school in Houston. I went to Kerr High School um, and I did theater all throughout high school. Um, okay. And when I went to college, I did go to college for theater and also choir. Um, so I was in musical theater for, um, for a lot. And then I just did improv and journalism outside of it for fun. Um, but it was, I've always been very communication oriented, very performance oriented. Um, okay. So I, that was a total, uh, 
lie in my introduction of you that you got your start at institution theater. You got your start as a young teen. If not yeah. Well, I, 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 yes and no. I mean, yes, throughout life, yes. But institution was kind of like, when I went to, that was kind of like a, a turning point for me. I, my whole, as I, I'm very like, have s- certain goals. I'm like, you know what? I'm, I wanted to try stand up. Um, and when, during that time period, I was like, it was kind of like, just do it. And if you fail, you, you fail, but at least you can say that you did something. So um, I went through institution because a friend just told me, you know, that that's like a good way, especially if I was feeling any type of nervous. And also I had been taking improv in Austin and a friend um, who did that also recommended going through institution. So it was a great way to meet friends and um, it was just a great way to kind of get out the, so yes and no. So it was like, I have been doing theater throughout that, but I can't say that institution was like a, a pivotal, a pivotal moment in my life. Yeah. yeah. So going back to that college, the college days and this, this concept of the big fish, what, what kind of moments uh, s- stick out for you as far as your love of performance? I'm, I uh, have always been, I, I mean, I, I lo- I'm a very talkative person. I always love to talk and I love, um, I, I'm a middle child. So any type <laughs> of attention or anything that you give me, I'm gonna, uh-huh. like, I'm gonna absorb it. Um, so that's kind of where, why that, that stuck out to me because it was like, I mean, I'm just gonna be, you know, being honest in, in Kansas, I'm pretty much one of the only people of color ever in yeah. a room. Um, and especially like, I mean, um, I'm not going to my own horn, but I am, I'm a very great singer. Um, so whenever there are opportunities for that people, I mean, they always wanted someone who could sing. I was pretty much the only one that had like the voice and things that I have. So I was always, you know, leads for plays, always leads for musicals, always solos for choir, because it was like, they definitely wanted to showcase talent, but also they're like, everybody wants to prove how diverse they are, even though you're the only black person in the choir. Um, uh, they would they would always make sure that they had that opportunity um so I can honestly say that that kind of worked t- towards my advantage um being out that way was just like people always wanted to to use them I'm like I'm very glad because I'll take the stage time <laughs> you know yeah so I'm, I'm getting this picture of you dabbling in lots of different performance areas and of course when you're in college you know that is the time to do that uh, <laughs> when you finished college what what was it that was like you know maybe the singular driving force for you was it just you know I don't care what kind of stage it is just let me be on it or was there one type of performance style that you wanted to pursue more than any other more so I have just always been a creative like a creative individual so for my thing was after leaving leaving that experience and leaving college in that arena was just like I have always for me I wanted to find and create space for people um, representation space for people who don't really get that arena um, or don't really get that and that was like my biggest thing is like I I did have opportunities, but there was a lot of things that were withheld from me because of, I mean, lack of diversity, lack of representation. And so when I left, you know, left college, left things, I was like, I want to make sure that everything is inclusive included. Um, so whatever that, whatever that may be, um, I wanted to create, like, I don't know, I wanted to make sure that by me doing anything that other people could see themselves doing it too. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense. So um, I always wanted to, I, I'm not, the, I can't, I don't, 
I'm the type of person that doesn't like being boxed in. Um, I'm the type of person like, I mean, I'm create, like I create my own, right now I work, like I'm working on, I wanna work on, a, I'm working on a screenplay uh, for an online like television uh, show that I'm, um, that I'm writing. And it's just allowing people who don't really have that representation, like the lack of diversity, like TV sh quirky, like, I feel like people of color always kind of get the quirky side characters or always like a background thing, but creating scenes and scenarios that doesn't represent, that you don't have to be traumatic, that doesn't have to be stressful, doesn't have to be replay something, but also giving people like that, that limelight, like being that. So um, my arena is, I, I don't really say that it was like, oh, comedy or improv or anything like that. It's just wherever I can find the voice to make sure that other people, like that I can be the voice for other people or other people can like speak and make sure they're represented. Yeah. Um, and so when, um, but comp <laughs> I have done improv, I was really well at improv, you know, I did really good in theater and I still love theater, but comedy was really kind of what took off because that's really what I did my, my whole life. I've always, I mean, it, I always say I'm the Beyonce of my friend groups, you know, <laughs> I, um, I'm always like the, the person that did the go-to, the person that they always want to speak or they want to have around. And when I started doing stand-up, it was just kind of like, everyone's like, why haven't you been doing this for, like, why isn't this your thing? Like, I mean, I do it around my friends. I'm always being silly around my friends are like, why isn't this your, um, your, your, your main thing, you know? Um, so I can't say that I do feel more I don't know, I do, I do feel more successful and I do feel more um, like comedic, like is my strong suit. Um, I love hope, like comedic hosting and things like that, obviously with my podcast and things like that in my show. But I do feel like that's it. That's kind of where I found the most success. Cause it was like, that was natural. It wasn't forced. It wasn't, you know, something. <laughs> it was just something that came natural. That's how I, you know, grew up. That was my coping mechanism. That was my, you know, that was just, um, comedy has always been, a great, a great yeah. um, avenue for me. Well, and, and when you are a, a, a performer by nature, who doesn't like that response of the laughter? Yeah. Yes. And it keeps going back to me being a middle child, but it's like when people have all their eyes on you and people are laughing at you and surround, like you're clapping uh -huh. for you, you're like, oh my gosh, this is everything. <laughs> like, why, why not do this all the time? Um, yeah. And that's where I feel like I got my most, my most claps and my most roses was when I'm just like, and I'm like, okay, why, why stop? <laughs> <laughs> what was, when was the first time that you did stand up and how, what got you to the, the, the stage or to that stepping point? The first time I did stand up um, was ooh, when I moved to Austin. I moved to Austin in 2016. So um, I would say the end of 2016, I did like an open mic at Cold Town. And I was still very nervous. Um, and that was like, I was like, uh, I, I remember it was just kind of like, I didn't tell anybody I did it. And I was like, okay, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> um, and I think it's just because that one, I, I've, I felt like I was trying to be forced funny. Like I was forced funny. And then um, when I finally, when I went to institution, it was just like, I believe in different time periods of your life. Like I was going through something different. Um, I was finally feeling confident about myself. Like I was like, you know, I was like, I don't know. I feel like that was the hottest I was like a few years ago. I was just very, I was in shape. I was doing Pilates every day. So I was like, um, when I was at like institution and 
I mean, honestly, when you feel hot, like you just want to do anything, right? And I was feeling, I was hot. Like I was just like hot and sexy and um, and it just made me feel even more confident. And um, so when I, um, the stuff that I had already did, like that I learned in institution is stuff that I already had written, the stuff I already, it was just like, I just needed that confidence boost that people, uh, you know, that morale thing. And sure. um, as soon as I, you know, finished institution, I was like, all right, you know, just writing and out there. And um, I had my, I had my own show probably like hosting, I was hosting Who's on Tap maybe two months after I graduated from the comedy, um, comedy class with Valerie, um, just because like, I'm, I don't know, I just was like, all right, I'm ready. You know, I want, yeah. I, I wanted to already, as I said, give that opportunity and space for other people um, that didn't have like, that, that don't have more so of that arena to speak. Um, so I, 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 I did do, so going back to that, yeah, I was like, I would say my first time was in the, the beginning of 2017, I would say, but I would say like where I felt the best was in 2018, no, sorry, 2019 when I did institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So there are some, some touch points that I want to go back to. And one is a recurring theme that you keep going back to about giving voice to people who might not otherwise have uh, an opportunity to, to express themselves. And I, I don't want to draw this line for you, so uh, you can correct me, but it seems like uh, going from Houston to Kansas kind of opened your eyes to uh, how people of color exist in society. And, and is that true? Is that, you know, kind of like, if you had not left Houston, would you be a different person today as far as how vocal you are about giving people a voice? Or is that just something that woke up finally? It had been there, but it just woke up when you- I've always- I, I would say I've always been a very, um, I love to take up causes. I'm, a, I'm an Aquarius. I'm very much a social activist. So anything that like, I'm like, if anything tugs up my heart strings, I'm speaking up about, but I can say, because I grew up in Houston, very diverse, um, disadvantaged, and that's what I thought the world was like. You know, I was very much like, oh, there's no, like I went to a performing arts high school. People were already like in 2006, like I had friends that were already openly gay, which is like a big deal during that. Now it's not like now, it's not, but like I had, that was my worldview of like, oh, people are, you know, different colors, different races, different, you know, um, genders, different. I already had that worldview of that. So going from Kansas, going to Kansas, it was just like, and people were, I had adults that were stifled by that people that were held back that, that didn't even know that other worlds realities existed. Um, yeah, I can say that going to that did definitely change, did definitely change a big perspective. I did see a lot of things and hear a lot of, I had a lot of stuff that happened to me that wasn't great or watch other things happen to other people that was just like, that opened my eyes um, for other people and also myself. Um, so I can't say I would be, I, I mean, I wouldn't say so much a different person because I was like, I've always been me, but I, I can say that I wouldn't probably wouldn't be as vocal or as active if I hadn't moved and seen that. Yeah. And then coming to Austin, which is a, you know, certainly in, uh, uh, how, do I, how do I say this? We are a, a very diverse city in many ways, but we still have a lot of the legacy divisions of, mm-hmm. you know, small Texas town. Um, something that Houston, I think, is far ahead of us in. And, you know, what made you choose to come to, to Austin first 
off versus going back to Houston where, you know, your voice and the voices of people with different, you know, backgrounds or sexual identities is better accepted. And I don't, you know, I don't even know if it yeah. is better accepted. I, I've never lived in Houston. I, I feel like it's there. There are two different th- uh, two different versions of that. But I, but I do. Houston is more. I would just say more um, race diverse. It, it. I would say it's more open, um, more so than than Austin. Austin considers itself liberal, but there's still a lot of there's still a lot that needs to <laughs> to change, and there's still a lot of conversations that are not being had. Um, but they're you know they're touching the surface. Um, but I, I chose, I mean, every, when I was little, I actually have had family that lives out here in Austin. I loved coming back and forth to Austin. Um, I was really, I really loved like the live music scene. Um, but for me, as I said, Houston always felt so big. Like I love Houston. I'll go back and visit, but Houston always felt so big. It feels like eight different cities in one. And I felt like even when I like lived there, I was always trying to like find a community to like fit in, but it was so hard, even, you know what I mean? It was so hard um, because it is so big. And yeah. here in Austin, I feel like it does have, like it's starting, I mean, it is big, it's bigger and it's always growing, but I do feel like you, um, you have the availability to make a community easier here. Um, and you have the availability to make connections. Like it's very much a networking type city. Um, and um, the, the, I mean, when you make find a community, it's it's easy. Like I feel like people, come, this is a transplant city. People come here to make their tribe. Um, you know, when you meet someone from Austin, it's rare. You're like, oh my God, you actually live here and you're from here, you know, but um, majority of people here come here because they are searching for the same thing, community, a tribe, like stuff like that. And that's what, when I, when I moved here, what I was, you know, soul searching <laughs> and uh, finding myself and things like that. And um it, you know, I, I've lived, as I said, like, it's about to be, it's about to, it's around five years. And, you know, I've established a community, not just in, you know, comedy, but just like in other realms of everything. It, I, it's easier to find people that believe in the same things that you do, or are willing to like fight for things that you do. Um, more so I think than in Houston, it just doesn't, even though it is a big city, it just has that, I think a smaller community feel. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I think about the Austin comedy scene and its relationship with diversity and people of color in particular. And I was just thinking, you know, in the in the past, so I've been following Austin comedy for, you know, going on 10 years now. And in the past, I would say the Austin comedy scene seemed to have room for one big voice in the, the people of, of color. And you know that's gone from from a Chris Cubis to Lashonda Lester that we we lost to Maggie May, and now I feel like and I, and I I you know it is it is disheartening to think that it is probably because of all of the events that have happened. I mean yes, our history is filled with terrible events, but last summer seemed to be a tipping point, and now I feel like people of color in the comedy scene, it's its not just one big voice, it's mm-hmm. many voices are coming to yeah. the forefront. And, you know, you I, I'm saddened that I you've been here in Austin for five years and I've never crossed paths with you until last summer when you came onto our online shows. But mm-hmm. in the five years time, what have you seen as far as the role of people of color uh, in, the, in the comedy scene? 
I, I would like to say that, that you're, that you're correct. Um, that I, I have noticed a lot I, that, and that's, I've noticed a lot more, um, variety and I've noticed a lot more people having shows and like um a lot more because I I mean honestly like just frankly speaking I used to a lot of us would kind of discuss how it felt like you know there could only be like one person color on a show at a time um or you know one woman or one thing like you know because they didn't want to if you put too many black people on a show it becomes a black show if you put too many uh, Mexican people on a show it becomes a Mexican show and stuff like that and and that's what what I mean when I'm talking about like diversity and role things like that like it shouldn't be that way if you want it to be so like there are times and places for that but um if you wanted to be, if if you, you know, like how I did a black history month show and that was, you know, but that doesn't mean that you, that that's all you want to see. I, what we, and I know that majority of comedians of color, not just comedians, but I feel like people of color is like, it just wanted to feel normal. You want it to be like, we are like, you know, people are like, oh, I don't see color. I don't see this. Like, no, you can't have multiple black people. You can have multiple women on a show. You can do this. And I've seen that. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen the last couple of years is starting to, to change. And I think that we just have to be more vocal, more, I'm sorry about my dog. <laughs> we have to be well, more vocal. Well timed. And more, I know he's like, ah, I'm, he's ready to go. Um, but we just have to be, you know, more vocal, more, make it more aware. Sometimes you do have to bring, bring things to the forefront. Um, and I've noticed, you know, kind of like in the Facebook groups and things like that, people will post. But I think that um, as long as we're not, I mean, we're touching on it and talking on it now, but most people are afraid to touch and talk on that. And it's just the fact of the matter is, is that when, I mean, when I would be, when I was getting booked on stuff on shows, they wouldn't want to put me on the same show as Leah Sampson because I'm, we were both black women and they thought that that would be, or, you know, I've, I've never been like the only time I've ever been booked on shows with other black women is when a black woman did it. Like when Jasmine Ellis would put me on a show with other black women or other women of color um, because they were scared to do so. And as long as we're calling that out and being like, you know, um, I, I think that we have that availability to change it. And, yeah. you know, and I think that it should be so. I think that, you know, we, I, I want that even not just in comedy. I want that in, you know, we want that in movies. I want that. In, I want it to be like, I want to have a Legally Blonde with Black people and Mexican people. Like, I want that. Like, I want us to have that, you know? And I think that as long as we're aware and we speak on that, we have that availability to change it. Um, and I do think that people have been, um, you know, speaking, being, making sure they're more aware, more conscious of that. Cause, cause we are, we're conscious of it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I have, I can say that within this last couple of years, and as you said, especially over the last summer with everything that happened and everybody becoming more vocal, more aware of things, started realizing how those, you know, microaggressions and how those stereotypes, how those things can actually hurt and be harmful within any community. Um, I think that that was a big turning point. Yeah. And, and by the way, big kudos to you for that Black History Month show that you did. Uh, for many reasons. One is I remember seeing a post by Lando who said it's February and it's getting to be late February. How come there's been no black history or, you know, all black comedy show. And, you know, as a, I mean, I'm, I'm a different person of color, but I, you know, I certainly felt like, well, it's not my place to, you know, put, Put something together so kudos to you for doing that and you know i'd like to challenge the austin comedy scene to make sure that next february that there's you know, more it's not just one being pulled together uh you know 
just to be able to mark the month with one comedy show that features all people of color. But let's let's make February a little more high profile with that. So kudos to you for taking that yeah. that charge. And um, thank you. I had I had a friend who happened to live in in the area where that that show was held. It was in that outdoor venue, and she went to check it out, and she really enjoyed uh, the show. So yeah, yeah um, thank you. All right, so let's talk about how you spent. So leading up to last March when when COVID shut down everything, you were hosting the Who's on Tap show. Mm-hmm. And, and you- I, I was co-hosting um, the uh, Native Hostel, um, the one with Adam Waitman. I oh. can't think of it, uh, Comedy Resistance. I would co-host yeah. that um, sometimes. Um, and I was just, I was kind of, I was before comedy, I was probably doing two or, th- I mean, before COVID, I was probably doing two or three shows a week and then also hosting mine. Okay. All right. So you were getting busy, hitting a stride with, with comedy. And how, how did you respond to, to COVID as far as a, a performer? Um, COVID hit, like, I can say that that it, quarantine hit really hard for me. Um, cause I was moving out on my own. Then, I mean, also, I mean, we talk about everything that happened last summer. It was just like, everything kind of hit really hard, mm-hmm. um, for me. And at first I was kind of doing some online digital shows, but I can, I mean, I hit a, I, honestly, I hit a pretty heavy depression in the middle of the summer, um, where it was just like, I was by myself, things were happening. It was just really hard for me to want to do, um, really hard for me to want to do anything. Um, and I started, I mean, I, you know, started going to therapy and started doing things as well. But, um, when I connected with, I mean, I've been friends with Colton and stuff for a while, been working with our show for a while. And it really did. I can honestly say working on our podcast, like we had this idea we've been wanting to do and working on our podcast really, um, pulled me out of what I was going to because it made me realize, okay, I do, I do love comedy and I do love creating period. Like it's just, I love creating. I love talking to artists. I love just like being silly. And it really pulled me out of that. It also allowed me an availability and avenue to be a little bit more vulnerable, which I think vulnerability is key, especially to comedy, but also to like healing yourself period, like being able to be open. Um, so my, when we, when Colton and I started our podcast, um, when we start recording those episodes, it was a really great way to get to know other comedians. We have some really great people in there, like Solomon Giorgio. We have Louisiana Purchase, one of the top um, drag queens in Austin. Um, we have, you know, Vanessa um, Vanessa Gonzalez on there, Jasmine Ellis. Like, we have really good comedians, and it allowed me to speak to them and see their um, like their career, see how things change, you know, change, but also, you know showing what you want to develop within made me help me figure out what I wanted to develop in the Austin scene. But when Colton and I started, we were like towards the end of last year, we were like, you know, we're just going to do outdoor live shows and bring something a little bit different, which our outdoor two broke bitches show is compl- I mean, it's just like our probably completely weird and different. It's not just stand up and comedy. We have interview, we do drinking games, we have drag. And it's just a way for our first, our mindset was, performers need to get paid. <laughs> and so we had all avenues of it of just like, hey, people, you know, we have a we have donation-based drinks here. We have drag here. This brings out different types of, first of all, that brings out two different types of communities, um, well, multiple communities out that way. Yeah. So, and when we first did our first show and it was such like a hit and um, um, live, it was just like, okay, let's keep doing doing this. And it just kind of, um, for me, doing doing the Two Broke Bitches show with Colton kind of changed my idea and mindset of comedy. It doesn't have to be this, you know, square, like in this box thing. It's like, 
um, we have like playing these games and getting to know people and having like our broke bitch tips and things like that also I, opens up that vulnerability and <laughs> opens up like people just want to people just want to laugh people just want to be open and people just wanted to forget what was happening yeah. um, with COVID and so um, our live shows were great and that was really something that allowed us to keep we still have podcast episodes that we need to release and we're working on editing now um but it allowed us I, I think we still 10 like we've done so many interviews and then now with our show we have that um I'm also doing that now Creek in the Cave with um Colton every other week every other Saturday we have a brunch drag comedy show which the last one was really successful um really fun and it's just as I said it brings out most different communities um and it just gives them something different to laugh and like think about and once again forget <laughs> what's going on in this world um so I did hit a little curve like last year with COVID but I feel like everybody did and I allow myself and extending myself great for that um yeah. because that was it's unprecedented no one you know knew but I I feel like I came out a lot stronger um so there's so like uh, right now I'm also working as a like working as a punch-up editor for a podcast on like Spotify I'm um as I said I have my show with Colton I have um I did my show with the city of Austin and then you know now I'm bringing back who's on top it just kind of made me realize you know kind of what was important and what people need yeah yeah, I, I remember a few interactions with you last summer and it, I, you know, I'm, I'm not going to air anything out here, but it did, did seem like you were, you were being really affected by this. And I can imagine that somebody who's been a performer all their life and who loves getting the, the attention, not, not being able to be on a stage must be very, very difficult layer on top of that what's happening in, in society. And I have, you know, now that I see more, more activity uh, with the, the two, broke, two broke bitches um, and just the return of who's on tap, it's like, oh, she's, she's back. Like there's, there's light in her eye again. And it's so exciting mm. to see that. Um, I, I have a, a really, really dumb question to ask because we all know, anybody that knows Colton knows that he is just, you know, such a, 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 a hog for attention and yes. <laughs> you having, you know, you as that middle child who wants the attention also, how does that work? How does that balancing act work with the two of you hosting this amazing show? Uh, how do you balance the need for attention <laughs> when you have these two attention seekers? <laughs> right. Uh, two attention. I know what you want to say. Attention whores. <laughs> we're both. Atten I was like, we're both attention whores. It's very much so. Um, I mean, first of all, as I go back, we always talk about, we're both really hot too. So like, it definitely <laughs> helps that, that that we're both really attractive and we both have our own different audiences, but, but we have like a really good, I would say a really good chemistry. Like, um, it's like, we always want to like outdo one once outdo the other, but in a, in a good way, you know what I mean? So it brings out good comedy, like all, and we talk a lot ahead of time about funny parts of our things. It's funny. Like we always ask each other, what's going on in your life? What's silly? What's blah, blah, blah. And then that way it seems very organic and stuff like that. Like in our conversation, when I'm like, oh, how are you? And we can just, I can, we pull out the funniest worst part of each other, like the good <laughs> worst part of each other. Um, so it, it just, it just works. I, I, you know, we, we, um, 
we also have a lot, we're very involved in both like our, in our communities. Like he knows, like he's very involved, like in the queer, like gay community. Mm-hmm. I'm very involved, like, and in, you know, I'm involved in the, like the queer and like gay community. I'm also very involved, like, you know, in the comedy scene, like, and he's very involved in that, but also like the, the color, like the black people like seeing stuff like that. So we have different communities and they mesh really well. Um, and we're both really willing to work like, I mean, he really wants to bring like more diversity and change like the Austin comedy scene. And I see the vision and, you know, so yeah. um, he's, he's, he's good, fun people. And I think we just also make each other laugh. Like yeah. we really, you know, we really do. So I think yeah. we're just, we, we're both hams, but <laughs> like, but like, it's a good dinner to have two hams. You know what I mean? There's a lot of people, so you can have two hams <laughs> at our, at our table. There can be two hams. Yeah. Uh, how excited are you to bring back who's on tap? And were you ever nervous that it might not come back? I was, I was nervous that who's on tap was not going to be able to come back. I think that like we, I think that everybody was like, there was that one part of like last year, like I would say like September, October, where it was like, are we going to be trapped inside all the time? Like, that was my thing. I was like, is this going to be every day? You know, and I'm sitting here, like I'm a single one living by myself. I'm like, am I ever going to meet somebody? Like, is, like, am I going to be stuck inside my home? And, um, you know, I've been working, working, you know, with who's on tap and when I saw kind of the outdoor and we're out doors so that's another thing it just was like the availability of keeping people outdoors and keeping people safe um well you know at least doing our a little of our part to help keep people safe um helped but I'm very excited and you know um we actually had our first like so I had a first one on my show we who's on tap was like I the end of March actually okay I had it then and then that was like our first one it was very very like it was very packed very big so now we actually are taking like reserve, like now we're actually doing tickets and reservations so that way people can come and be out there and also um, have their group and make sure that they're doing, once again, doing our part to keep people safe. So like, you know, that we know who's gonna be there, things like that, a good way to do contact tracing, if anything. But um, yeah, it's, it's, beca- it's become a really helpful ordeal for St. Elmo because it brings a different type of crowd out that way, more younger, a um, little bit different crowd when it comes out that way. and. Um, it helps to have a really good brewery, like the, the really good beer brewery that has really good beer and really good uh-huh. people attached to it. It gives a um, different audience as well. So um, I'm really happy about that. I love, I love that show. It's a really great show to have. And I have really always have really great people out there and the crowd is always great. Um, I've never had an issue with that. Like it's never been, I, I can, and I don't want to jinx myself or, but I've never had a bad show. I don't think I've ever had a bad show out that way. So um Awesome. But that's because Austin comics are really great. Like I, you know, the comedians that come out, they always put out, for, they always do well for that show. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And you, so you've got the two broke bitches, which works one arena of your performance style. You've got uh, who's on tap and you're working on this screenplay mm-hmm. as well. Um, I mean, your, your plate seems very full. It is. Um, it very much is. Some days I don't, I, I literally have to schedule, like, I mean, how I said I came to visit my mom, I literally have to schedule, like, I have to schedule phone calls with people like, oh, when can I call oh my mom? Gosh. When can I do this? But honestly, it's like, it's, as I said, um, I'm very open and honest about it. Like I was going through, I mean, I struggle and definitely, well, I don't want to say struggle because it's not a burden, but I do have, you know, I've 
diagnosed with depression and having things to do and having structure in my life definitely does help a lot of that. Making sure I have a list, making sure I have a calendar. And I recommend that for everybody because I know that a lot of comedians actually struggle with, um, you know, and carry uh, depression and anxiety. And one of the things my therapist um, really worked on me was, you know, keeping, obviously not overworking yourself and keeping yourself too busy, but giving yourself things to do, making off, making lists, um, and finding like what you're good at and what makes you happy. Um, and writing makes me happy and being around people performing makes me happy and making sure that I have time for that on my list, um, is good, but also giving myself grace. Like, I'm, I don't, I'm not, you know, I feel like a lot of people, especially like in the scene, if they're feel like, oh, you're not like getting booked or you don't have this, like you're, you know, you're failing or doing something like that. And I don't see it as such. I think that for me, like I look at, if I, I like to look at the things that I have done, you know, like I have a really great successful podcast. I have a really great show. Um, I'm working on a podcast right now, like through, like I'm, I pretty much have done things that I've wanted, um, everything that I've wanted to do. So, um, it really staying busy, having all that stuff really kind of keeps me sane. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. 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 Ha- uh, having a full plate definitely helps. Uh, what, how am I trying? Uh, how do I want to put this? It definitely helps uh, damp down those voices that say, oh, but you're not doing this. Yeah. So that's, you know, a helpful, helpful hint for anybody that is, is struggling. You know, you, you might not think that you're accomplishing this thing, but your plate is full with these other things. Yeah. And that's, that's a good thing. Yeah. I, I highly recommend writing things out, like writing like that. Like one of my things I always tell people, especially people with like, who are struck for like depression, they're struggling with stuff is like writing things out that you did or things you're going to accomplish because it feels good to mark something off that list. You're like, oh wait, I did make my bed to, or oh wait, like even, you know, the little, th- like I know it seems silly, but it's like, oh, but I, but I did do that. Yeah. And that does help you want to accomplish a little bit more when you're like, okay, well I did that. Now I can do this. Um, it does seem like I have my playful, but I can say I have a really good balance um, and I'm really, tr- I'm learning boundaries and learning how to balance things, saying no and yes to the right stuff. And that's another thing I recommend is even a lot of, a lot of, you know, younger comics or even comic, they just want to take on, say yes, 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 yes to everything. But that can end up hurting you like mentally, that can end up hurting like you socially, that can hurt like with your jobs and you have to, you know, make sure that you're having balance within your life. So, um, writing, writing things out definitely helps and helps you see what you're saying yes to what you're doing. Um, that way you don't feel over, you don't feel full and you know what I mean? I feel like when you're too full, you don't want to do anything. Right. Right. It's like, when's your downtown downtime, mm-hmm. you have to have downtown. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I don't know when I have that for myself. So what? Gotta get some. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what, what would you say is on your wish list of, of things that you want to want to do down the road? Um, yeah, I mean, I really would love to have a sketch comedy show. So that's, that's, um, that's definitely a wish list. Um, I want to, I mean, that's really one of my, my biggest things is is having a, I want to produce a, produce a sketch comedy show. Um, and then I do want to have like my, I'm also want to work on my own, like this type of podcast that I'm currently, I'm currently trying to work on a, a different type of podcast as well. But my main thing, and that's always been throughout my life is I've ever since when I was little watching SNL, I'm like, I want to have my own type of sketch comedy show. Yeah. And when I see, um, you know, I see like Issa Rae and I see, um, um, you know, two dope Queens and things like that, like on shows, I'm just like, um, 
that stuff excites me. I feel like they're opening avenues for, you know, stuff like that, like broad, broad city, things like that. Like they open avenues for women, they're opening avenues for queer people, they're opening avenues for people of color. And like that, that excites me. So I feel like that's something that um, I definitely can do so down the line. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, and we need that because for, for whatever reason, you know, before, before COVID, sketch seemed to be like the the bastard stepchild of the the comedy scene you know you had a lot of people doing improv a lot of people doing stand-up but sketch was just so far in between and i i think part of it is just the nature of what it takes to put on a a sketch show is Mm -hmm. is uh, far different than what it takes to do improv or or Mm stand-up but um i i was trying to think there was there was a, a performance group um that did that did do um, a sketch. Was it y'all, y'all we Asian? No, it wasn't. No, it was not them. Um, Adrian Dawes, who I don't know if that's a name that you you recognize. She's left Austin, um, but there there were several uh, people of color and diverse, you know, people from the from the LGBTQ community that were part of the sketch troupe, mm. and it was like every time that they would do a show, it was like such a big deal. Um, mm. oh, I hate myself I which, for forgetting. I, think, yeah, I was like, I don't think <laughs> I know that there are a few good ones. I know that Simply Courtney was did had one, his per, sugar water purple. Oh yeah. Um, yeah, that one was really good. And then um there was I know that there was garage, like for there was like a women's one that they were doing that was but it's been it's been a while. It's like I yeah. can't think of um but I yeah. but I but I love but I'm just like I do think that if you have the right people, I'm not saying I love sketch because it gives you the availability to work with other people and like see the the insides, the creative working of other people's minds. And yeah. um, if you have the right people, everything works. I think that that's for anything. Yeah. And I love, I, I think that, I think that, well, all creatives, I think that they're so interesting. You don't have to even be working with a comedian in order for something to work. You can be working with, you can find your inspiration anywhere. And I think that that's what people kind of feel stifled by sketch because they're like, oh, you have to be a comedian, you have to do this. I'm like, no, you could find something funny with the trash man. You know what I mean? The tra- like there's, there's, there's yeah. comedy everywhere, you know? So it's all about it opening, opening your mind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, and I would say that that seems to be a gift that you have is bringing people together. Um, so I, you know, I, I really, really hope that you, you take that on in the near future for, for us so that we can, you know, see people coming together that are diverse and um, so that you can w- keep working that creative muscle that you, s- <laughs> you <laughs> always want to work. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're going to start winding down, Era. Yeah. What are, what, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you, you'd like to, to share with us? Um, I feel like we've, we've tapped on pretty much well, it's like my, my shows that I have coming up and um, all that fun stuff. Um, it's like, I feel like you got, you got pretty deep with me. We got pretty deep here. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I'm super impressed because this is, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll actually hit an hour plus with somebody uh, to get really deep. But like you were so open about, you know, some pretty heavy and, and deep topics. And yet, you know, this may be a, a sh- uh, we're not going to hit an hour, I don't think, unless you have a really long list <laughs> at the end to cover. <laughs> but no, this is, this is a really good, good uh, discussion about issues that affect, you know, people of color in the Austin comedy scene, just, you know, the, the things that, that uh, people of color have gone through uh, over the last year plus, you know, intensely over the last year, you know, there's, 
obviously history tells us a, a story that it's it's not a new thing. So, um, all right. And on that weird note, uh, let's wrap up with a closing all question right. for you. One word to describe your future. Ooh. I would just say blessed. I, um, I, I just, I'm, I have either way, like, as I said, like, I, I feel great about my life so far. And I think it's all about like, you know, being in, being, trying to be aware, like, and be in the moment. Um, and right now, if I'm alive and like, if I'm aware in this moment, I do feel blessed. Um, I'm alive. I'm well, I'm here with my family. I'm doing really well, like in my life. So I want to continue that. Um, and I just hope, and I'm just going to manifest and put that out there blessed, you know, yeah. um, favor and all that kind of fun stuff. Uh, it just struck me a, a question that I wanted, that I do want to ask you, uh, you know, COVID has changed so much for how people perform and where they live and choose to perform and given some of your creative interests like the screenplay you know the reality is a lot of screenplays that, that actually go to film requires that you live not in Austin but maybe COVID has changed that that narrative um, do you see yourself ever leaving Austin yes <laughs> I do I mean it's like I, I but I do see myself coming back I, I never felt like Austin was a forever home I, I do love it and I uh -huh. do love being here and I have a community but um I have never felt like I've had roots you know um I love traveling and I, I feel like I could definitely see myself um moving and being you know being successful elsewhere um so um it's not in a bad way I just feel like I there's so much more I want to see <laughs> yeah well, what it's funny uh I promise I'm not going to keep dragging this on. Uh, I was looking at your, uh, some of the YouTube videos that you have posted. And one of them that I saw, it's like you start off talking about uh, the Notre Dame Cathedral and you're, I'm probably the target because I said it Notre Dame. Uh, <laughs> and I just thought, oh, this woman is worldly. I mean, yeah. who starts off a, a set talking about, you know, a cathedral in Paris? So I, I, I was struck by the notion of you being worldly just from looking at that, that clip. So, yeah, I, uh, I, I, I do. Con I consider myself, I, I would say, very uh, worldly. I, I, I just love culture. I love, like, different things. I love, I mean, I love different types of people, different types of things. I love eating different I'm the type of person if I'm not going to order chicken nuggets at a restaurant or chicken tenders I'm going to try the weird thing like on the menu so um I definitely see myself you know traveling being out there more yeah well uh and I, I predict that that will be in your in your future for sure all right well uh that is a wrap on comedy presents era Juliet. tell us where we can find you on social media and let us know about those upcoming shows and projects Definitely. Um, you can find me on Instagram at can't breathe with no era that, um, you know, like the song, tell me how I'm supposed to breathe with no air, but it's can't breathe with no era. Um, that's oh, where you, you can the find me. Voice. Hey. <laughs> you got that. Um, and then I do have a few shows. I mean, I'm not sure when this will air, but me and Colton and I have two broke bitches every other uh, Saturday at the Creek and Cave. It's a drag comedy brunch. Um, that you can come out to. The next one is April um, 24th, which is this next Saturday. Um, and then I do have Who's on Tap on April 30th. That's what I'll be, um, I'll be hosting that. Um, 
those will be recurring, but I am definitely going to, I'm getting back into the comedy scene this next month. So you'll probably see me out in May and even everywhere, whoever wants to book me. Fantastic. All right. Well, we hope you've enjoyed learning about how Era got to be the comedic genius that you heard today, just as much as I have. This has been Comedy Wham Presents Era Juliet. I'm Valerie, and that's been funny. Thank you, Era. Thank you.